I think you should clap yourselves for being here this morning. It was cold. Okay. And if you're online in a hotter country than us, or a hotter state, or a hotter city, just send us a little bit of your warmth today. <laughs> Welcome, everyone. Welcome back to those who've been on holidays or extended holidays. Good to see you. Um, over the last four weeks, I've, three weeks, I've been bringing my hoops, not to exercise, but to illustrate. There is a difference, because I don't use these in exercises. Can you remember where we started? In the beginning, God created heaven and earth, a beginning and an end, so that earth and heaven could meet. And God's beautiful creation, humans made in the image of God, male and female, could enjoy the presence of God. Walking and talking and being and listening, loving and caring for the place that God had created. And we know that it wasn't long before Adam and Eve decided to go their way so that they could be God's in their lives. And ever since then, God has been at work. He's never stopped working. On the seventh day, he create, the creation was finished, and God and humans partnered together to work in this creation so that heaven and earth could meet again. We pray regularly in that well-known prayer. Our, I think I use bread for heaven. Is that right? Our Father who is in heaven. Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Does that help you understand that little prayer? Our Father who is in heaven, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Thank you that the Lord is with us today, wherever we are. I'll need those later, so I'll just put them there. We've been on this series. I'm sorry for those who've missed it. It's online. We've been talking about God's God with us in Genesis. I think the first one we looked at was God's purpose. Can you remember that? I've just mentioned it. God's purpose to create a humanity we could love each other, share each other, and in partnership with God, extend humanity into a flourishing community throughout the land so that they could care and rule together in community with God. Last week, we looked at God's promise. The commandment given to Adam and Eve re-echoed as a promise to Abraham and Sarah, and we also talked about God's promise being God's reality. If God promises it, it will happen. And somewhere in there, we skipped over to the Old Testament out of Genesis, because Genesis is the foundation for the rest of the scriptures. We skipped into the Christmas story, where all the promises of God were fulfilled in a baby. And the Easter story, where all the promises of God were taken by Jesus on that cross where he absorbed our sin, took our sin for him so that we could be reconciled with our God and enjoy again 
a relationship with the one who created us and gave us purpose. We talked about Abraham being the father of our faith because we enter the reality of the presence of God and the presence of our Father so that we can call God again our Father when we by faith believe in the promise who is Jesus. You got that? And so in a way, according to 2 Corinthians, the new creation has already begun in us because those of us who are in Christ, that is, who have come into a relationship with him, are called new creations, new creatures. And the transforming work of the Spirit of God is at work in us. And we wait with hope. With creation, which Paul says also in Romans 8, that they are cry- creation is crying out and longing for our completeness, that day when all things will be new. That is our promise. Today I'm talking about the presence of God, heaven and earth in the book of Genesis. But we have to go elsewhere as well. I've taken these three headings and the headings next week from a scholar called N.T. Wright. So I'm just fessing up that the words I'm using I've stolen and put my, um, what do you call it, my, my personality and my learning onto his headings. So I'm just fessing up for that, for those who know this. Um, but we're going to do today God's presence. God has always wanted to be with his people. Stop. Is God here now? Take it in. Know it. God is here. We talked about this uh, golden thread with his new family, where even though the commandments were broken, a promise and a covenant is given, and God cannot break this. God will not break it. And God comes to his people. Last week, we looked very briefly at Abraham. Anyone journeyed with Abraham during the week? It was a good invite to read the Abraham story. And today we're going to go to the story of Jacob. Now, I also have another confession here. When I was, um, yeah, I always struggled with this guy, Jacob. I thought, why on earth is he called a hero of faith? And you see, I went to Sunday school and youth group and all this, and Jacob was always this hero of faith, and I used to think he's a dirty rotter. He's a cheat. He's a thief. He's a rascal. Is that right? And here he is being presented to me as a hero of faith. And I didn't get it. And slowly I understood and learned. And even again this week as I read the Jacob story, rejoiced that God works in cheats and thieves and rogues. And if we allow God and when we meet with God, slowly allow God to change us. And so what we see in this rogue, Jacob, the cheat. What we see in him is God meeting with him and him starting to go on a journey. Does that mean he was perfect? No. Does that mean he changed a little bit over time, but maybe at the end, a lot? But Jacob wanted one 
thing. You know what it was? The inheritance. He wanted it. And so he went all out to get it through cheating and scheming and creating his own God, which was himself with his mother's help. So this is the story of Jacob, just briefly today. He was the second born, opposite personality. He was a twin, but he was second, okay? Twins know that, who's first and second. Is that right? <laughs> Twins in our room, you know it. And uh, culturally, that first one should have had the inheritance. But God spoke at this birth, and Rebecca, who was the mother, remember that beautiful story I alluded to last week in Genesis chapter 22, lovely love story where the Spirit of God was there. Rebecca heard God say, the older will serve the younger. I often wonder if she pondered that and thought it. But if she did, she didn't let God work it out. <laughs> because she made Jacob her favourite. And she too was part of the scheming and the cheating. Mothers can do that. They can have their favourites. God help all mothers and fathers to treat and love everyone the same. Amen? Amen, yes. That's, anyhow, Jacob goes on this story and it's my way because I really at this stage don't have any sense of God in me, apart from the stories that Isaac told me about Abraham. So Jacob, first of all, steals the birthright because, remember, Esau, his older twin by, I don't know whether it was seconds, hours or what, but he was the elder, and culturally speaking, he should have had that. But Esau cheated him out of it when he was feeling famished and tired and gave him a pot of stew in exchange for the birthright. That was pretty cheap, wasn't it? Just feed me and I'll give it to you. But then with his mother's help, he also schemes and cheats to take away the blessing, that is the passing on of the Abrahamic blessing. So he cheated him out of that too uh, with his mother's scheming and help because... They needed to help God to get it right. That sounds okay? Then we realise that Jacob has to run for his life. And here you see a little bit of guilt, a bit of conscience. Get out of here because Esau, Esau the stronger, the warrior, is going to kill me. Get out of this. Get out of it. So Esau has to escape. Uh, escape. I want us to read from the scriptures here. It'll be on the screen, Genesis 28. If you've got it, open it up and read it. But let's just go through it pretty slowly. Jacob left Beersheba, where he was, and went to Haran. He came to a certain place and stayed there the night because the sun had set. And this is what I find hard. He took a stone of that place, and he put it under his head and lay down in that place. What a pillar, what a pillow, eh? Stone. And he dreamed that there was a stairway set up on the earth and the top of it reached heaven. And the angels of God were ascending 
ascending and descending on it. And the Lord stood by his side and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. Just a little aside here. Some scholars call this a pre-incarnation of Jesus, okay? God appearing in the flesh before Jesus actually came as a baby. So this is God appearing in the flesh, but it's in a dream. You got it? I don't know how he knew it was God, but God spoke and said, I am the Lord. And listen to what he said, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, your fathers. The land on which you lie, I will give you and your offspring. This is God now giving the blessing, the promise. You got it? Before he cheated and got it from Jacob, but now it's God. Your offspring will be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and the east and the north and the south, and all the families of the earth will be blessed in you and your offspring. That same Genesis commandment, fill the earth, go. Know that I am with you and, and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Take that for yourself. Know that Jesus says I am with you. I will keep you wherever you go and I will bring you back to this land. Substitute there the new creation, if you like. Know that for certain. I won't leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Jacob woke up from his sleep and he said, Surely the Lord is in this place and I didn't know it. Surely God is here and may you know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place! There is none, uh, this is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. So Jacob rose in the morning and took the stone that he had put under his head, and he set it as a pillar and poured oil on the top of it. He called that place Bethel. Hebrew word, Bethel, house of God, where God is. I want to say that this is incredible. What did he see? A ladder. And on it, angels ascending and descending. And the Lord at his side, speaking. Compare this to the Tower of Babel. That was going one way up, trying to reach heaven. And this letter was heaven coming down. And onto the earth and the two ways if you like. The Lord was at his side, and yes, God said, I'm keeping my promise. Yes, Jacob, you will be part of this. And this is the first, if you like, sign of grace in Jacob's life, where despite the cheating, despite the being a rogue, being a thief, being a schemer, being like you and me, being human, being all this kind of stuff, doing it his way, God steps in and Jacob has this wow moment of surely God is here. 
I'll name this place Bethel. This is the house of God. Now, the interesting thing is, if I follow that scripture, God's grace persists because Jacob at this time is still negotiating with God. And you can read it there, and he says, God, if you keep your promise, and if you go with me and give me bread, then I will give you a tenth of what I own. That's bargaining, isn't it? So he's still not quite there, but he's getting there. He's responding. Surely God is in this place. If I flick over to the scriptures and come to John, the last verses in John chapter 1, where Jesus has been baptized, and uh, there's people, the, the disciples of John are sitting around looking and listening to this Jesus, John has called him the Lamb of God, and he's been baptized. And some of the disciples, can we go back? And then they get some friends. Jesus said to Nathaniel, after he said, surely you must be a prophet. This is what Jesus said. You will see heaven open and angels of God ascending on the spirit of man. Heaven's open, coming down, and in Jesus, heaven came down and met on earth. Have you got that picture? And that's a, ref that's a, ref that's a reference back to that dream that Jacob had. Heaven came to up to us, down to us in Jesus to bring us back, to reconcile us. God's desire to have this family, multi-ethnic family, flourishing. To be in relationship, partnership with himself. Do we have these spaces and moments in our lives where we can remember, where we met God? Where there were wow moments? Because we meet God continuously and some are very ordinary, is that right? So this morning when I had my 20 minutes in the chair or whatever you call it, I don't, I think it goes longer than that, but never mind. While I was sitting there, it was ordinary. I didn't see ladders going up to heaven and earth. I didn't even see angels in the room. It was ordinary. But God and me were there. Okay? So there are the ordinary moments. But in my life too, there's been some pretty wow moments that have been pivotal in taking me forward, even though I didn't get the full picture at the time. And so this is one of those moments. Do you have those moments? Can you remember them? If not, may today be one of those moments. Abraham's, oh not Abraham, we're on to Jacob, aren't we? Jacob's story continues. And he goes to Laban, who is his uncle, and he meets the ravishing Rachel, the beauty queen. And he wanted her. But uh, during his drunkenness of the week's celebration for a wedding, he wakes up on the wedding night and discovers it's not Rachel. It's his older sister, Leah. So he is now cheated. <laughs> he is now reaping what is sown. And instead of being 
able to have the ravishing Rachel, he gets what he considers the lesser Leah, the older sister who's not quite as ravishing. But he is given the sister as well. And then he works for Laban for 20 years to pay off two wives and some sheep and goats. He builds his empire. And he realizes that he is with Laban in this place for the rest of his life. He will not be satisfied. He will always be under the control of Laban. So he schemes again. He's scared stiff. He's frightened. And in his fear, he packs up and off he goes back to the land that God said, back home. And I, I think there's a bit of homesickness there too and a bit of wondering about, is this really a promise of God? I'm going back. So off he goes. I want to just mention a few places along the way. Remember Bethel? Surely this is the house of God. God is here and I didn't know. He comes to another place and this place he later calls Mispah. You probably heard, I don't know if you've heard that name. That one's up there. It means the Lord watches. But what happens, this is not all um, lovey-dovey here. This, this is happening because Laban catches up with him and is ready to do whatever it takes to get him back. But God got Laban and stopped him doing it and spoke to him and said, don't you touch this man. Don't you touch him. And so Laban too is now in this fear. And they make this little covenant, this little pact, after they have some squabbles and stuff like that. You can read that story. Unfortunately, we don't have it. It goes backwards and forwards. And then they make this statement, they make an agreement, and they said, the Lord watches. You watch it, you watch it. Don't you break this covenant. You got the idea? It's not really, oh, wonderful, the Lord is watching over me. Nothing will go wrong. No, you keep your word here. You've made a covenant. God is working. So that's Mispah. And just after that, in chapter 32 and verse 1, it says, Jacob went on his way. I love this verse. Just a simple little verse, which you can miss. Jacob went on his way, and the angels of God met him. How about that? Jacob went on his way and the angels of God met him. And Jacob saw them and he said, this is God's camp. He called that place Mahanaim. This is God's camp. This is where God is camping for us until we reach that final home. You're right with that? God camps here and you're welcome in his camp. And God will be with you wherever you go. The God will meet you. Uh, so he meets up with his brother. And so these stories of deceit, black threads, God moments, didn't change our Jacob immediately. But slowly you see the grace of God, the golden thread and the desires. And there's this very complicated meeting with his brother. I don't really understand what happened. I've read the story over and over again, but Jacob doesn't get there very quickly at all. It would be remiss at this stage 
<laughs> if I forgot to talk about the two women in the story. Remember, the lesser Leah, the older, and the ravishing Rachel, the beauty queen. If I look at how they named their children, I will discover more about their lives and the thread of grace in them. Rachel, the loved one, the beauty queen, the one that Jacob held up and held on to, found it very difficult to have children. And having children was a sign in those days, perceived in their culture, of God's favour on you. And uh, so she didn't have the favour of Jacob or the favour of God. And slowly, the fact that she was chosen and loved ceased to have so much meaning for her. And on her deathbed, her second and only child, where she dies in giving birth, she calls that child Ben-Oni, which means son of my sorrow. That's her story, son of my sorrow. She dies, not having found the golden thread, the grace. Whereas Leah, the lesser Leah, the older son, the older daughter, who was given in a moment of deceit. We look at her story. She had six sons. And her thing was, if I have a child, maybe Jacob would love me. I'll win his love. So the first son is called, here's your son. And she's looking for acceptance. The second one, son of my affliction. The third one, maybe I'll be accepted or joined. Can you see the progress there? The fourth son, the one through whom the promise of God came. She didn't know this when she called him Judah. But it showed what was happening in her heart because Judah means praise. Can you see that little journey? The next son, after a period of time, good fortune, I have been blessed, good fortune. And her last son, God has endowed me. So through the naming of their sons, you discover their story. Isn't that beautiful? What is your story? For Leah, she discovered that the only person for her and with her and the one to keep her was the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And through Leah, we get Judah, King David, and Jesus. So God's activity in the world continued and continues, the golden thread and the dark thread. As we said, the ultimate meeting was through Jesus. We will see the heavens open coming down onto Jesus. I want you to reflect over this week, where are my God moments? Go back. If you've lived as long as me, that's a long time. But there'll be moments of wow moments. And see if they've been pivotal, turning points for you. And if not, stay there or get someone until you have one of those turning points where God meets you. Cry out and allow God to meet you afresh through the Jesus who's promised that. What is Jesus doing now in this community? Well, he has connected them. 
and we are here, part of the connection, if you like. But look at this diagram, and we'll finish with this little diagram, which has got lots of little yellow dots, multi-faith communities of God throughout this world. That is what God is doing. And there are multi-ethnic communities in Israel and Judah and Ukraine and Russia today where people are being killed for their faith. I read of a story of a Palestinian pastor who met with an Israeli pastor and would weekly go in to Gaza and run programs for children, 500 of them on Saturdays and 500 of them on Sundays. He was killed and the place just destroyed. The same in Ukraine and Russia, where people who love Jesus, where there are multi-ethnic families flourishing yet persecuted, stand up for Jesus because of the wow moments in their lives. God calls us to be part of this community and we will flourish as you flourish with your God, our God, and as you reach out and care for and connect with others and help them flourish through encouraging them, through coming alongside, praying for them, and you will extend this multi ethnic, cultural, multi-ethnic, flourishing community as you invite others and welcome others. I invite you today to keep praying. Our Father in heaven, your kingdom come and may it be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen.